Oh my goodness, listeners. Quack, quack, quack. We got a big one. I will say a big one. Because if, if you're if you're new to the duck fandom, you know, if you're just like, hey, this is this is pretty fun. What is this? Duck football? I'm gonna get into this. And you go like, oh hey, we're having a pretty good season so far. After that bad loss to Georgia, we're doing better and better. And now we're gonna go down to Arizona in the desert. This should be an easy breezy win. They're not even ranked. Wrong. You're dead wrong. You need to be educated right now. This is the most dangerous game of the year, especially since we've apparently got past the Pullman curse and the Stanford curse. This is the one that's really going to get us. This is going to be a bad blowout for the Ducks. Really embarrassed landing out there. Uh, so to help break it down, I figured, of course, we'd bring on Hithliday from Addicted to Quack, the resident film reviewer over there. How are you doing, Hithliday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, Arizona coming up. And for that, we got someone who, who we've had on the podcast in the past, but we were talking basketball then. And, uh, you know, because getting someone to talk Arizona football a lot of the times in these past seasons, it's been tough because it's been a tough thing to talk about. If you're a true fan, oh my gosh, it's been a hard program to follow. But this guy does it bravely every season, and now he's being being rewarded with, I, I would imagine, some optimism with the program. Adam Green of Wildcat Radio uh, of Desert Swarm. How you doing, buddy? Are you feeling optimistic about these Wildcats? Yeah, not as optimistic about like Arizona blowing Oregon out this week. I mean, if this was <laughs> basketball, maybe, but even then that would be a tough sell for me. But certainly in terms of Arizona playing Oregon, there is a little bit more of a, hey, maybe there's a chance more this year than there has been the last couple of times they've met, for sure. Exactly. Well, and there's always been, you know, some uh, chaos, I would say. And that I, it, from an outside perspective, anyways, it seems like Jedfish is playing with, like, house money right now. A lot of, like, goodwill towards him. He's got some talent on the team that hasn't really been there for a while, you know, uh, it just in general, seems like he's steering things towards the right direction. Yeah. Well, when he got the job a couple of years ago, like a year and a half ago, there were a lot of Arizona fans who were upset because they're like Jed fish, you know, you hear some of the other names <laughs> that are out there and people are like this guy, he's been on every team in the NFL. It seems like in some capacity bounced around a lot. And then all rumors were that, I guess, uh, Arizona's school president, Dr. Robinson operated on Jed fish one time and that's how he knew him. And that's why they hired him. But at the same time, it's like, what do you have to lose? And Fish came in and talked a really good game, you know, especially in the offseason. Offseason Jed Fish has been a thing with bringing in Gronk for the spring game, making it this event, mm -hmm. just a big party. Arizona changed their uniforms last year, which it's a silly thing because I know Oregon does it every week. But for Arizona, it's the type of thing. It's like, wow, this is good. He's doing everything right. And then they won a game. And yet everybody's like, OK, this is positive. The recruiting's still been good. So he definitely had a really low bar to try to clear but he's cleared it with room to spare and of course now that Arizona's won a few games this season that feeling like okay maybe he you know offseason jet fish has been great maybe regular season jet fish is pretty good too sounds fun to watch I mean a competitive Pac-12 while it is the Pac-12 is always very fun um Hithliday I was hoping you'd help us walk through this roster here I, I wanted to voice some appreciation for changing uniforms too, because the, the solid red numbers with no outline on the dark blue jerseys is like visual chaos. Like it is <laughs> as a film reviewer, it is the most like awful thing to look at in the pac 12 and like the pac 12 contains Washington. Like, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> more than anything else. I think I appreciated that, like sparing my eyeballs, that horrible color clash, just, like putting a little piping around it. It was great. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, uh, studying Jed Fish and, and, and like even going back to last year where he sort of, uh, you know, he, he really pulled a fast one on Oregon, you know, when he changed up the quarterback situation and the entire playbook and saved all his new plays for third downs, you know, against Oregon. I was like, okay, this guy is more clever than most Pac-12 coaches. Like, you know, I was in the, you know, I was in the Sean Miller and Kevin Sumlin forever camp and, uh, and, and Arizona upgrading at both coaching positions. I'm like, damn it. I got to worry about this team. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the other thing uh, that it, I think is really, you know, impressive is that like he guy didn't like, 
you know, there are a bunch of schools in the Pac-12 where a dude comes in, takes over a program that hadn't been performing, you know, very well. And he's like, you know, I got to win some games before I go on the recruiting trail and really get my, you know, my guys like this is going to be a long, slow process. And, you know, you got to treat this like a year zero and you got to give me some time, you know, like how about a five year contract before I start winning games? And like Jetfish is none of that, man. Like he just immediately is like, I'm going to go get some five stars. Uh, I'm going to get, you know, hit the, the transfer portal hard. You know, I'm going to win games, you know, immediately. And there's no, going to be no excuses around this program. And I was just like, yeah, man, you know, game recognized game. You know, I definitely dug that. Um, so uh, I guess probably the most prominent, you know, uh, uh, transfer is the signal caller, Jaden Delora. Um, I've been watching him for two years at Wazoo. This is sort of a different offensive system than the one that he's been operating under. How would you review Delora so far, Adam? Very good. I think, and granted, it's kind of everything's contextualized when it comes to Arizona right now because, of course, last season they went through, it seemed like every quarterback that they had on the roster and they had a hard time finding anyone who could get the job done. But Delora comes in and he's been about as good as advertised. He can make all the throws. He's definitely got a confidence to him, which I think this offense really needed. He's had a couple of bad games, or at least games that weren't as good as the previous, like Mississippi State. That was a struggle at times. The Cal game in the fourth quarter, things kind of got away from him with the turnovers. But overall, you know, the numbers are good, right? And having watched him, like he passes the eye test as well. Is he the best quarterback in the conference? No. I wouldn't go that far because he does make mistakes. He does a little bit slow of a windup. He's not perfect. But for this Arizona team with its just ridiculous amount of skill, position, talent, receivers, running backs, you catch the ball tight end. They have a quarterback who's not afraid to let it rip and to throw into the, some of those smaller windows that you're going to have to throw into. So you yeah, know, he gives the them a chance to win. That's the definitely thing that's like impressed me about Delora. Like you mentioned, he's got sort of a wind up, and it's true. Like there's not a lot of deep shots in this offense, which is uh, might sound like a weird thing to say if, if for anybody who's just looked at the stat books, because I believe Jacob Cowing is like number one in the country for twenty plus yard passes. Um, but like he's not catching them twenty yards deep. He's catching them like fifteen yards deep, and then he's turning up field and getting, you know, extra because I think that Fish designed you know a pretty good route tree for. Um, Dolores' skill set, which is, you know, he really likes hitting passes over the middle, those little, you know, or not little, but like maybe 10, 15 yard dig routes right over the middle. And you're, I also think that you're totally right, where it's like, he just needs that second of separation when the receiver and, and Arizona's got four good ones, you know, three wide receivers and one good tight end um, for catching passes where like, yeah, they hit that break real crisp and they get that moment of separation and Delora is on it. Like he knows what the timing is. His release is quick enough that, you know, that ball is right there and the, the receiver is able to catch in stride and turn up field and, and turn like a, a, you know, 12, 15 yard pass into a 20, 25 yard gain and like yeah man even if that was the only tool in the toolkit which th- that's not quite true um but it's the most prominent one like it's a really good one it's a you know mm-hmm. it, it fits everybody's skill sets and and in particular two of um arizona's opponents that they played this year um cal and well i i should say uh a uh, cal and colorado um both have uh you know real big holes in the middle of their defenses cal structurally in colorado because they can't defend anything um and like yeah you know re- really went off on them um it was you know yeah i, I think this is a pretty dangerous quarterback um i hate to bring this up if something happens to Jaden delora which like don't say that can't happen you know that <laughs> it happened a lot you know at wazoo um who's next up is it fafita that's a good question. And Jed Fish, when he has been asked about that, he's just kind of answered with depends on the situation. If it's just for maybe a game or a series or something within the game, Jordan McLeod is probably the guy. He's the most experienced quarterback. He proved mm-hmm. last season that he can operate this offense, not as well as Delora can, but he can do that. But if it's a longer term thing, it probably is Fafita. Um, because Fafita is yeah. the future. Is that the, the, the idea? He's the future for now. You know, they got another recruit, I think a four-star Braden Dorman coming in next season, or he is mm-hmm. committed to Arizona from Colorado, setting some, he's like leading the state, I think, in yards or something like that right now. So he would be the future, I guess, on top of Fafita. But yeah, as of right now, the guy after Delora, who isn't necessarily gone after this season, but the guy after Delora would be Noah Fafita. So yeah, if, if it's a long-term injury, it wouldn't be a shock to see Fafita get the ball. But I imagine something would happen like in this game, it's probably McLeod. But to say like, the Mississippi State game, Arizona brought in Fafita towards the end when the game was already out of hand just to right. get a series under his belt. And they've left Delore in, even in other blowouts like against Colorado last week. They left Delore in ostensibly to maybe set a school record, which they weren't really trying for. Mm-hmm. But 
that's that's the general feeling right now. But of course, that was the case a few weeks ago. The further you get into the season, maybe Fafita would be the guy. So that would so, be my thoughts on that. I've, you know, Oregon plays a lot of quarterbacks that tend to scramble a lot. Oregon's defensive line is, you know, fairly good about getting into the backfield, but then they play, you know, quarterbacks who are real good at scrambling unless their name is Tanner McKee and then they get sacks. Um, boy, it's a real shame that Arizona's not playing Stanford this year. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It was like pretty much a guaranteed win, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but Oregon has struggled against, you know, real scrambly quarterbacks. And then I turn on Jane Dolores tape and I see a real scrambly quarterback. But during this season, I have seen both, you know, good scrambles and I've seen pretty bad scram. You know, I've seen him feel like, you know, like he threw three picks against Mississippi State, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, he threw a couple against Cal, you know, towards the end of that game. Um have you do you have an opinion, Adam, like any sort of rhyme or reason, like when you get good scrambly Jaden Delora and when you get bad scrambly Jaden Delora? Have you have you picked up any pattern? It's mostly just where Arizona's at in the game on the scoreboard from what mm -hmm. I've seen, because he's he's a scrambly quarterback. That's one of the things that Jed Fish didn't want to coach out of him because Delora is really good on the move. I mean, the touchdown he threw to to Toro McMillan last weekend, it was a trick play, but he was rolling to his left and fired a dart in the end zone. I think it was like an 18 yard touchdown pass. So he's got that ability, but like he's been more scrambly, but not runny, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And that's oh, yeah. where they, after the Mississippi state game, yeah, there's like, not well, a lot of designed yeah. runs for the quarterback. No. In this offense. Like, I and mean, there, there were a couple and there's a couple quarterback draws, but I mean, it's not. Yeah. And, that, and that's been the kind of the balance with Delore because he obviously can move. He's his legs are sure. an asset, but he, he scrambles with the intent to try to find a receiver downfield with, we talk about the weapons this team has, like that makes sense, right? Like if sure. you're can get the ball to a Jacob Cowing or Dorian Singer or a T-Mac or a Tanner McLaughlin, like do that. That's probably your best option. But against North Dakota state, for instance, they did have some design runs. The whole talk the week before was you needed to run against Mississippi state. There were times where you're scrambling and there's a 10 yard gain right in front of you. Go get that. If that's what the defense gives you the following week, he did exactly that against North mm -hmm. Dakota state did it a little bit against Colorado last week. So, you know, he's, I think for like good and bad, like the turnovers have come when Arizona has been behind and trying to play catcher when he's trying to do too much. But when Arizona has been in a close game or I guess the, Three games Arizona's won. They were leading San Diego State pretty the entire time. Colorado, they never trailed. North Dakota State was just back and forth. They were never out of it. But if Arizona's in the game and his decision-making has been a lot better, it's just when Arizona's down two scores, maybe you know, 10, He feels like he 14. needs to be the hero yeah. and like and win the game himself. That's when he and he's not necessarily wrong, and, but that's yeah. kind of when the bad Jaden Delora has happened yeah. is when he's just trying to force the ball downfield, trying to make a play where it's like, okay, maybe you didn't have to do that. But at the same time, you're down 17 with eight minutes left in the game or something like you got to do something right. Uh, in terms of running backs, um, I was not surprised to see Michael Wiley, you know, getting as many carries as he did. You know, he's been on the team, you know, for a while now. And I think been, you know, the the, the leading, you know, I, I think he was the guy, you know, they had like a four man rotation last year and he was the guy who's getting most of the carries. Uh, I was interested to see that Arizona brought back all four of those dudes, including Drake Anderson and Jalen John and Stevie Rocker. But I don't think I've seen a single one of those guys get a carry at all. No. Did I miss something? No, no, they haven't gotten like the, the running backs they've used have been Michael Wiley, Jonah mm -hmm. Coleman, DJ Williams and Speedy Luke, who's out, has an ankle. And, and I think those three guys, all three of them are new to the team, right? DJ Williams transferred. He was at Auburn and Florida mm -hmm. State. And I think Rayshon Luke and Jonah Coleman are, are both true, true freshmen, freshmen, right? Yes, yes, it's exactly um, right. Mm -hmm. Is there, I mean, I guess the obvious answer is those guys are better than the other returners, but, but is there something else going on? No, not really. It's pretty much like Jed Fish, when he came in, like, Rand, you look at it and say, Jonah Coleman is one of his guys, right? Mm -hmm. But he's also a certain style of running back. He's a strong running back. He's a true freshman, but he's got great bursts through the hole, can drag defenders with him. So that's a style. DJ Williams is an experienced running back who obviously has the SEC pedigree, formerly a great recruit. So he's got a different ability. Speedy Luke is, well, he earned his nickname. He's small, but that dude is really fast. And while he's just a solid, does everything running back great at catching the ball out of the backfield, has shown a really improved his strength this year too that spin move that wasn't really a thing like he has really added to his game going into this season when you have like guys like stevie rocker or jalen john who you would have seen last season drake anderson they could in theory have a role but it's just like it's a stacked running back room there's a lot of sure. depth there and i think it's more situation because like drake anderson was someone that was brought in by jed fish stevie rocker was a kevin summer commit who stuck with the program which is you know a credit to him he's a talented running back but you know, it's hard to say they should be playing over a Michael Wiley or a Jonah Coleman or a DJ Williams based on what we've seen from them. So, you know, if Arizona's up four scores and they just 
go ground and pound, then maybe you'll see some of the depth show through and maybe someone like Stevie Rock or, or Drake Anderson gets a touch here or there. But the combination of Wiley Coleman and DJ Williams has been plenty good enough for them so far. You know, it's interesting. I suspect this doesn't really have anything to do with the running backs and is more about the offensive line. And I want to talk about the offensive line later. But while we're on the subject of the running game, like it, when I was charting Arizona, there's a real stark disparity in the stats between when they try to run between the tackles um, or, or they try to run stretch plays, which are really offensive line dependent. And they're only about 35 percent effective. On the other hand, when they try to run outside the tackles, um, uh, you know, or like on pitch plays, it's like 72% effective. It's like, you know, way above championship caliber. And it's like, I, I think to some extent, that's a testament to the running backs. Like you have to be fast to get outside. Um, but I think it's mostly just like this offensive line is not good enough to create holes. And so they sort of make the running backs look it's So like, if you look at their overall rushing statistics, it's kind of mediocre, but if you break it out to inside versus outside, it's like, there's a clear, like, there's a very clear disparity and i think that that is you know evidence that it ain't the running backs that are the reason why it's been sort of a, a middle of the road running game it, it's probably you know offensive linemen failing to open up holes do you agree with that theory yeah I mean, especially there have been times where arizona's had you know goal to go situations and they try to run it up the middle and they don't get mm -hmm. anywhere colorado stuffed yeah. them last weekend so yeah it was a four play happened. goal line stand it was, it was you yeah. know right after that dorian singer you know quote unquote catch uh -huh. well um, no it's great because arizona did the same thing at colorado last year right at the end of the first half where they mm -hmm. had a first and goal from the wall yeah. and went four plays and didn't get yeah i remember like, oh. that i remember that that was <laughs> sort of like a, a kind of poetic thing um but yeah like i i definitely think that that's true like i, I think you know just looking at raw stats you know arizona is number 22 in the country in total uh offense in terms of like yards per game uh but they're only number 66 in the country in red zone touchdown conversion rate and i think that's the reason why it's that you know they can't really hit those intermediate passes over the middle because you know they're in the red zone you know the defense is compressed and they can't really run outside because again the, you know the defense is compressed and the thing that usually teams do that have a real high red zone touchdown rate is that they can run between the tackles and that's like the one thing that arizona you know is not particularly effective at and i think that explains the whole you know disparity and that four play goal line stand that colorado of all teams you know not a defensive powerhouse you know pulled off i think is a pretty good you know, case in point, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Fish has talked about that, too. Even in the offseason, he talked about how Arizona was so bad in the red zone last mm -hmm. season. And they were only 31% touchdowns and 39 trips to the red zone. So they weren't getting there much. And when they were there, they were awful at punching the ball in the end. So they're at 64% right now. They already have 16 out of 25. They already have more red zone touchdowns this season than they had all of last year. You know, so and they're, obviously they don't care how they score, but certainly if you can't run the ball down in the red zone, you're going to have some trouble. And that's where someone like a DJ Williams or a Jonah Coleman, these bigger, stronger backs, standing with Wiley, who is a bigger, stronger mm -hmm. back, can catch passes out of the backfield. That's where they're helpful. And also that's where I think the Jaden Delore, they go with some of those read option type of plays, get his legs involved a little bit more too, because, you know, you have big receivers. You have McMillan, who's huge. McLaughlin's big. They have other receivers they haven't even played, like A.J. Jones, one of their true freshmen, who'd be a big target down there. But when you can kind of spread things out like they do, maybe run off tackle, let their running backs kind of make a guy miss, let the receivers block. And that's been a point of emphasis, too, is that the receivers were not blocking well on running plays. Mm -hmm. And they did a lot better against Colorado. And how much is the receivers improving? Yeah. And how much is Colorado? Yeah, but, I noticed that. Yeah. I, I was going <laughs> to ask you exactly that question. It's like, I, I think a big part of their, uh, you know, greater effectiveness in outside running is is they're getting, you know, frankly, better perimeter blocks out of, you know, the receivers than they're getting, you know, interior blocks for the offensive linemen. But like a lot of that is because, yeah, you know, Colorado. Yeah, um, it's hard to take that much from there. But no, it's absolutely a thing with Arizona where their red zone success, they would have a lot more if they could run the ball. They've had a couple of times where they have been stuffed in those situations because they can't run it up the middle. They, you know, they got their guards, Josh Donovan, Big Jonah, a true freshman who's coming in and playing as a true freshman. And the line itself isn't bad. I don't want to say, I mean, it's not good, right? They've passed block pretty well, but that helps when you have a guy like Delora who can avoid the rush and gets rid of the football and makes your stats look better. But the, I don't know if it's like a league average offensive line. You know, they, they have some talent on there, but no, it's not the type of line you could lean on and just say, you know, bulldoze your way down the field, you know, clear pass for the running backs. So, you know, Jordan Morgan's a good left tackle. Peyton Pierce is an okay right tackle. Josh Baker getting his first season as a starter as the center. Like, they're not bad, but certainly if they needed, you know, a fourth and two with a few minutes left, they're not going to run the ball up the middle. And at least I wouldn't want them to. Yeah. run the ball up the middle because they just don't seem to have that kind of line at least not yet 
Well, you, you opened the the door for the offensive line. Let, let's keep talking about it. I, I agree about Jordan Morgan. I think he's the best uh, offensive lineman on, on the group. I would probably put him in the top half of the Pac-12 in terms of, you know, if I had to rank all the left tackles in the Pac-12, he, he would definitely be in the top part of that list. Um uh, you know, a, a couple of departures from last year, you know, Laya, who'd been on the team for a long time, uh, Josh McCauley, who'd been the center for a long time. You mentioned Josh Baker. Yeah, I, I believe he, was, he uh, like in school anyway, he was a freshman. I think he came in the 2020 class. Um, I have been um, I've been curious. It looks like they've been rotating at the guard spot between Josh Donovan and a new kid, Sam Lange, number 58. Um, do you I, it, do you know why they've been doing that? Has there been any sort of like commentary on what they see in Lange and why, why he's been getting so much playing time? No, it's more just man. more just like depth things, bringing mm-hmm. some guys here and there. You know, Donovan's a fine player; he's solid, but it's trying to get more. I mean, last season I think it was the the Cal game Arizona played. I think they were down to like four backup linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, like their backups got hurt in that game. So for Arizona, they've been trying to just find time to kind of rotate guys. And like you say, I mean, it's always looks a little bit different on offensive line because you figure continuity is the most important thing. But just to try to get a few more bodies in there, a few more snaps, because, you know, it's an offensive line. It's Arizona. The more guys who you can count on or at least feel comfortable with out there is a good thing. Well, it's just it it's such a contrast to the, you know, like almost all the skill position, you know, players are new, right? The quarterback's new. Almost all of the wide receiver core is new. Almost all the running back core is new. The tight end is new. Like, and then you get to the offensive line. It's like, Oh, these guys, you know, and I, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope their mom's not listening. Cause I, I don't want them to, to feel bad or anything, but it's like, these guys aren't new they're, These guys are, you know, the, 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 they're, they're, it's, it, you know, and this is always the case whenever a new staff takes over and they put a new, you know, a harder emphasis on recruiting is the lines of the last thing to get transformed. Um, it's just that that's just simply the nature of college football. And it, it also appears to be the nature of the portal that there's, you know, that there's really no such thing. You can't like portal in offensive linemen. I, I you know, I, I maintain an entire Pactel database and I've basically just never seen it happen. Like uh, offensive lines appear to be, need to be grown organically. And, you know, I, you know, I hate to say it, but like, I, it's probably going to be a couple of years, you, you know, b- b- before this offensive line really steps up and like it, it, it you can, you know, skill players and scheme can get you inside the 20, but like punching it in requires an offensive line. And, and, you know, like, like you said, like, it's sort of hard to place exactly where this line is. I, I don't think it's the worst in the pack 12, but I wouldn't really say it's, it's anywhere close to the best either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where you kind of hope or where they rely on some like speedy Luke, who they don't have anymore right now until he comes back, maybe later this season, mm-hmm. but you rely on just better skill players you know Arizona didn't have that last season that's what Jed Fish brought in especially for the red zone you look at a T-Mac who's what six four I think yeah. in the red zone you had Keon Burnett who's gonna have a larger role now that Alex Lines decided to quit the team and you have Jaden Delore you have Jacob Cowling who's really good in the slot finding room and of course Mike Riley's shown that ability too so you know that traditionally they're not gonna be able to just line it up and play smash mouth and run it in not often like they're gonna have rushing touchdowns in the red zone like it has yeah. happened before it will happen again and they have some running backs who can do that but certainly yeah like it's just not a strength of theirs. You know, they've improved in so many areas, but to your yeah. point too, to build an offensive line, a lot of times offensive linemen, you get their three-star, maybe a two-star recruit. You just coach them up and develop them. And all of a sudden yeah. you have a good player. So I mean, like that's Oregon happen. state secret, yeah. you know, Oregon state is, is, is as effective as they are, despite being, you know, pretty low on the PAC 12 talent ladder. Um, because, you know, a, they've got a really great offensive line coach, Jim Halchuk and B it's like, yeah, they get offensive linemen that have a very, you know, very similar looking, um, talent profile, but like, you know, he, he keeps them in the oven until they're seniors, you know, and then they, they, they play like they're four stars and like, but I mean, you know, you ain't, that, that ain't going to happen in year two. You know, it might not happen in year three or even in year four. Like it's, it's, it's going to take some time. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's get back to the skill position players, you know, sort of, you know, echoing what we said about the running backs where it's like that they had some returners, including some returners that I rather liked, like uh, Jamari Joyner, who I think actually for a long stretch was Arizona's most athletic player, just period on the team. And then I've barely seen him this year. There's really only one returner. And, and, you know, same thing with the tight ends. You know, I had, you know, Alex lines quite a bit and, and, you know, and then you quit the team, you know, um, uh, in terms of the wide receivers, there's really only one returner that I've seen who's been Dorian Singer, um, who's, you know, having a pretty good season, uh, you know, and then it's the new guys, right? It's Jacob Cowing and Tetro McMillan. 
Um, you know, I don't want to belabor the point too much because you know we talked about them for a lot. They're they're obviously awesome weapons. No, let's um, talk about the receivers have. all day. Yeah, like, that's fine with me. We could. <laughs> well, this is sort <laughs> we of talking about know, this group the entire show. That's good <laughs> with you guys. It, it is kind of the Anna Karenina paradox. Is like you know dysfunctional things are interesting, and the functional stuff is just like yeah, they're great. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, they're great. Um, you know, I, I guess I, you mentioned a guy, AJ Jones, who's a true freshman, and given the way that um you know Jetfish has proceeded, I guess I would have expected to see him by now i haven't it's really just been those four dudes cowing mcmillan singer and the tight end mclaughlin um and i like barely see anybody else on the field uh have i missed somebody am i misreading a jersey like uh or, or is that it is it you know those four dudes and that's who they're rolling with that's pretty much it i think it was, was it last week it was either after the cal game or after the north dakota state game fish was asked about just getting younger guys in there. he's like we treat it like the nfl the best players are going to play He's like guys like AJ Jones and Kevin Green Jr. Like these guys, it's like they work hard in practice and they'll get their opportunity, but they're going to play the best guys. And, you know, when you've watched someone like a Jacob Cowling or Dorian Singer or T Mac or when you've seen the film, like which of these guys would you sit? You know, yeah. Like these are receivers. Like occasionally Jacob Cowling come out, he runs a deep ball you know, doesn't get the catch or whatever. And he sits out a player to just, kind yeah. Of and he gets some breath. Gatorade or something. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is like, I guess where I'm going with this is that it's like, a great problem to have. It, 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 well, I don't know if it is a great problem. To, I mean, it's a great problem to have that. You've got four great, you know, pass catchers. I don't know that it's a great thing that that appears that they only have four great pass catchers, you know, like you kind of like, this is a spread offense that usually has, you know, you know, it, it's either 10 or 11 personnel, you know, like what happens when these guys, you know, and the other thing about Arizona is they're going, on these methodical drives right you know it's like the first two drives against colorado i think combined for 30 plays you know like eventually these guys need to take it you know if they're running like 30 yards down the field on every single play like they're gonna need to take a break in competitive games and it's like who gets put in you know what i mean yeah and that's where obviously if there's injuries or something happens you need to have that depth and i guess until you see aj jones or green do something out there anthony simpson's gotten a few snaps in this offense or, but like, or how about the tight end that you mentioned uh kian burnett i don't think i've seen yeah. he was like a he was like a gem of the the class and a true freshman but that doesn't seem to scare off jed fish and like i don't think i've really seen him except for a couple of plays where he's blocking like what's uh what's his yeah. story well, he's going to play a lot more now that Alex Lines isn't part of the team, but his story is more Tanner McLaughlin came in and yeah. just was amazing. Like, and that's like McLaughlin Jordan, was an unrated FCS guy, wasn't he? He was yeah, at like and, Southern Utah last year, right? And he had an ACL injury. He was coming back from walk on, walks on to Arizona, gets a scholarship right before the San Diego State game, the opener, and has been just a revelation for them. But like you mentioned, Jamari Joyner, who for a couple of years was probably the most athletic player on the team, looked like an NFL talent wide receiver. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. I, arguably, like, he was the best quarterback on the team yeah, for a while. That's not inaccurate to say. And but like he's a very good receiver. 2019, he played really well as his first year at receiver. And he had some really good performance. You're like, okay, this guy could be something. And then he's dealt with injuries. And it got to a point now where just there's so many other options on this team. And that's why I say it's a good problem to have that. Okay, maybe AJ Jones. I don't know if AJ Jones is ready to contribute this year. I mm. wouldn't be shocked if he could, but it's a great thing you don't need him to. You know, it's a great thing that you don't need Kevin Green. Well, knock on wood, play. man. Like I, yeah, I, hopefully, I, yeah. I really hope that statement yeah. is not tested. <laughs> <laughs> it's Arizona, so it probably will be. Like Anthony Simpson, a sophomore, he's played a little bit. He got their number one jersey for just being like Jed Fish does a contest. If you want the number one jersey, you got to earn it. Be like the best practices and all that stuff. Mm. Do everything right. Anthony Simpson got that. Keon Burnett, this four-star recruit, one of the gems of the class. He's going to play now. Because Arizona likes to have a lot of two tight end sets. You know, McLaughlin's going to be one. Lines was the other. Well, now it's Keon Burnett's turn. And I know he got a couple of balls thrown his way last week. I think there was one that bounced off his hands or he got hit yeah. right when it got to him. It was, you know, don't blame him for that. But even Fish said he's going to have to step up now because he's going to play. So, you know, that's where the depth gets tested. And that's where Arizona, even last season, their starters were okay. It's just they had nothing behind them. So now the question is, do they have a little bit more depth? Like they, their skill position, their frontline talent is certainly better than it was. But if that depth gets tested, if A.J. Jones, Kevin Green needs to play. Now, Green looks like the natural replacement for Jacob Cowing. A.J. Jones, big receivers from but like a team he's actor. He's another like, freshman. True freshman, know, yeah. Yeah, he was a well-regarded recruit as well, but but is also somebody that, that I don't believe that I've seen on the field yet. Nope, you haven't. So and ideally, that's how it's going to go. But at the same time, over the course of this season, I would expect some of those players to get more reps. You know, like these true freshmen will get some playing time. I can't imagine they wouldn't. But early on right now, Arizona's had no reason to turn to them during games. You know, that that could change. Yeah. Everybody's always one play away. 
Yeah. But for Arizona, when you have Dorian Singer playing so well, Jacob Cowling being every bit as good as advertised, T-Mac making plays, McLaughlin out there making plays, like why are you not going to have them on the field? I think is what it comes down to. Hey, podcast listener. Hey, Come you. over here. Come yeah. over here. Get over here. Yeah. Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? <laughs> Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Quack 12, give us five stars. Yeah, the internet. You got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing if you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listen on their long inner inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby by covering it up. Wah wah, so they say, putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic. Never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be th- part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars. That's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you, chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey. Let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack. All right, let's switch over and talk about the defense. Um, so a bit of a scheme change. I think officially it is marked down as a 4-3 and sort of a continuation of, you know, Don Brown's defense. But um, uh, but really what I'm seeing, I think I would be more comfortable classifying as a 3-3-5 with like Hunter Eccles as sort of a drop end or a quasi OLB. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's more supposed to be, I think, like technically like a four two five or something, but it's mm. certainly been it's it's a defense, right? Hunter Eccles. Yeah, they could list him as a defensive end. He's kind of a linebacker. You know, Jacob Minus got in some more playing time too. It's you know, they kind of have mixed and match because they really haven't found anything that works. So. Yeah. Well, I uh, you know, that that sort of thing. I mean, obviously the 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 talent transformation that's taken place on the offense hasn't real you know, other than Hunter Eccles coming in and other than retaining um Christian Roland Wallace, the cornerback, um, you know, the this uh you know there's just not a whole lot of talent on the defense to write home about you know what i mean i I hope that doesn't sound too upsetting but like do you disagree with me but i guess when we say like there's not a whole lot of talent there's not enough talent for sure jalen harris came back he's a good player he's somebody who's getting a lot of double teams out there i remember watching he's he's number one right yeah number one on defense yeah jalen harris he's like a fifth year senior come back again 
he's playing well, but he doesn't always sold up in the stat books. Uh, you mentioned Christian Owen Wallace, Jackson Turner, safety, who should be able to play this week. He missed last week's game. He's played well. Keon Bars is a solid player. Paris Shan, defensive lineman, number 95. Mm-hmm. He's been getting in the backfield. He was a Sumlin recruit who was kind of one of those like, well, he's got the physical tools maybe, but is this guy going to develop into anything? He looks like he is developing into a pretty good player. Um, Traden Stuke's been hurt. But linebackers is where, like, I think Arizona's defensive lineman rotation is pretty solid. Linebackers is where they have trouble. Yeah, definitely that's where they're struggling. Linebackers. Um, yeah. Let's put a pin in that, though. I want to talk about the the defensive line. Um, there was I, I noticed one of the players. I think a UCLA transfer, uh, Tioli Savea, uh, number ninety eight. He was walking mm-hmm. off the field kind of gingerly um, against Colorado. Do, do you have an update on his status? He is a game time decision. Okay, as Fish has said, and of course, there's no injury reports in college football. They don't yeah, have right. to. So, so suppose he's a game time decision. He's been kind of beat up a little bit this season. Obviously, it would help to have him out there. So, I know Arizona's hopeful. I noticed one of the things that jumped out when I was charting um, Arizona and looking at their um, past defense, you know, numbers is that there's a real um, discrepancy between their effectiveness when they uh, in past defense, when they blitz and when they don't blitz, I guess I'll put it this way. They, they need to blitz to get pressure. Have you noticed that pattern? Yeah. Yeah. They haven't been able to, they're not the type of team. They just don't have the talent to just play straight up and get after the quarterback. So they do. I mean, that's kind of a holdover from the Don Brown era too. Sure. The Don Brown era that Alice said all of a season, but they were very much a blitz heavy team last season. And Johnny Nance is not quite that level, but yeah, like Arizona's when you have Hunter Eccles, who's been good, there's nothing wrong with him. He's been a solid player for them, but he's not this dominant pass rusher. You know, yeah. Jalen Harris is a good player, but he's not a dominant pass rusher. Like they don't have a Scooby Wright, for instance, on this team. Well, and defenses, like, oh, if you only have like one stud, the way that I think that Hunter Eccles, I had to do a bunch of film study on Hunter Eccles when he played for USC. And I thought every year that he was at USC, the Trojans were misusing him. And for, I think he's played pretty well for Arizona. And I have to say that feels kind of satisfying, just like on a, I guess, sort of selfish level as a film reviewer to be like, <laughs> see, you know, see Trojans, this is what you could have had, you know, like you didn't appreciate this guy um and you promise like, scooby Wright's not there right you promise yeah. that yeah. i mean i think someone tweeted i think our az desert summer account mentioned that he would have been a great uh honorary captain for the game and he replied back <laughs> oh that, yeah god he, he replied back that he would have been but he had a wedding to go to this weekend oh, boy. So, oh man no, I, I, as god, much as i god. can promise that he will not be there i can promise he will not be there <laughs> but like i've noticed opposing offenses like devote a tight end to blocking him like or just like this is the only guy that i need to worry about um and so, like, even if his numbers don't look spectacular, I can tell you his offenses know it, you know, like. Well, Hunter Eccles um, is someone you account for. Like, he's been every Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a hope. couple of clips in my article where, like, the offense just inexplicably doesn't account for him. They think they can outrun him. They think they can just, like, oh, I'll just, you know, he, he's on the backside and I'll just outrun him. It's like, nah, if you don't block him, he's going to catch the back. North you Dakota know, State? He, yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think you know the play that's going to wind up in my article. Um, yeah, yeah. It, but anyway, you know, like, yeah, I, I sort of share your diagnosis. It's really more about, like, this this you know the the linebacker room has sort of been you know problematic in fact it was is interesting like there were actually you know a couple of transfers into the um to the linebacker room but i haven't really seen him like there was a four star from michigan anthony solomon um number 10 i don't believe i've seen him all year nope. um there's a, a a utah linebacker utah produces some pretty good linebackers you know jeremy mercier I, I don't think i've seen him either um anthony ward from washington i don't think i've seen him although not like washington produces great linebackers Instead, I think I've been seeing a true freshman, um, Jacob Manu, as the other inside linebacker beside uh, Jerry Roberts. Uh, um, or have I missed somebody? No, that that's basically in Malik Reed, who yeah. played a little bit last season, a transfer from Wisconsin. And I guess that's mm-hmm. – I don't know if that's – this isn't that situation where we talk about like, the receivers, like how are you going to play someone over Jacob Cowing? How are you going to mm-hmm. play someone over Dorian Singer? This seems to be more of the situation like if you can't play – if you can't play over a Jacob Manu, who I like him, He's a smaller player to begin yeah. with, and he's a true freshman. Like, yeah. it's probably speaks more poorly to the to that room than you know, yeah. say the wide receiver that, room. That, so. I, I basically come to the same conclusion, and the fact that it's just shot through with transfers. Like Jerry Roberts is from Bowling Green, Malik Reed is from Wisconsin, Anthony Solomon is from Michigan, Jeremy Mercier is from Utah, Anthony Ward is from Washington, and they're playing a true freshman. You know, in Jacob Manu, it's sort of like everybody else. You know, who who was recruited in the Kevin Sumlin era um, is sort of like, yeah, it's kind of a referendum on those guys you know yeah and it's i mean that's a transfer portal too it's kind of like 
it's not the same as like an NFL free agency where sometimes they don't build a team that way because there's a reason they get there. Like there's yeah. a reason players transfer and it can work out. There's a lot of good players who transfer because they want that opportunity that they didn't get or they're not going to get at their current school. But there's also players. It's like, why didn't they get that opportunity? True. You know, and someone like Malik Reed, I like him. He's got all the physical tools. The guy's huge. He played well against ASU last season when he had to play after Jerry Roberts got hurt against Washington State. But he's just had a hard time staying healthy and just can't get on the field. And they've talked about trying to rotate more guys in. Uh, Russell Davis, Deuce Davis has been going in there more on passing downs, for example. But yeah, just overall, the depth just isn't there. And that linebacker, some recruiting misses, but I think probably more than that, transfer portal misses have been yeah. the biggest issue. Um. Uh, speaking of injuries, sort of interrupting stuff, uh, let's talk about the secondary. Um, you know, you mentioned trading Stukes. I was sort of surprised, you know, he was a freshman and a walk-on. And then I, I think, I believe I saw him winning starting job, but then I didn't see him in a certain game. He, he's been injured. Yeah, he, he, he was injured to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been slowly working his way back. He's had his struggles. So the question yeah. is, you know, is he hundred percent yet? I think he's, I think he said, or I think he's like closer to like 90, whatever percentage you can give people for being healthy. But and then he's been working his way back. And, and then I believe I saw against Colorado last week, Isaiah Rutherford, you know, looked like he was dinged. He was the guy who transferred in from Notre Dame. Do, do you have an, uh, a status update on him? Yeah, he had a bone bruise before that oh, game. Ouch. I haven't said anything about what his status is. Obviously, a bone bruise, you'd mm-hmm. think, okay, give it a week to heal. You should be okay. But they haven't said anything one way or another about him as far as leading into this game. It just sort of strikes me that the 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 depth at cornerback is just non-existent. I mean, they've got Roland Wallace, and I, like I said, I like Roland Wallace. I'm going to put a, a clip in my article of him with just like one of the prettiest pass breakups you've ever seen against North Dakota State. I think you know the play that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sort of like I, I'm not wild about the other side of the field, and I'm not wild about you know who would come in to replace him because I, I don't know who those dudes are. You know, there's injury issues with Stukes and Rutherford, and and frankly, the fact that a walk-on freshman in Stukes, you know, uh, was getting the job is sort of you know commentary. I think um, there's been there's three freshmen who came in um including you know a, a four-star refusing price but i i don't think that i've seen price i don't think that i've seen jacario or Takario davis i don't think that i've seen celestine um or did Just i miss those some guys? of the all-name teams though yeah no, i know there's like, some definitely <laughs> some all i'm not great names to celestine's first name um but celestine itself like if you wanted to become like prince or share or something and just go by celestine like that's an awesome last name and his first name is like incredible um uh yeah but i don't think i've seen any of the freshmen and again you know as we've been talking about like fish isn't afraid afraid to play freshmen um and yet i don't think i've seen these guys at all and i sort of i I think i've only got like three cornerbacks in the room and two of them are hurt like like yikes dude like what do you think (laughs) yeah price socks got on the field a little bit Mm. um celestine his name is great he also goes by g7 that's his nickname so that's just he's just cool right (laughs) clearly But it's, you know, you'd think cornerback is one of those positions where you can somewhat rely on athleticism. You know, you're just reacting, right? As Mm -hmm. long as you're in the right place, you can react. But this is one of those situations where they have been playing more of the veterans, like a Rutherford, who has the pedigree, right? He was at Notre Dame for a reason, a four-star. But someone like Takario Davis has the size. Prysock has the size. A lot of these guys have the athleticism. Just why aren't they out there? I guess they haven't needed them. You know, I think if Rutherford was hurt and then Traden Stukes was also hurt still, it might be a different story, and that's where you'd see a little more of a price sock. But he seems to be like the next corner back up just based on the rotations they've had. But, yeah, like Fish isn't afraid to play freshman. We've seen that. But I think this is a situation where he doesn't feel like he has to or they don't feel like they need to throw those guys on the field just yet. But, you know, if, if something were to happen, price sock's the most likely guy to get the early reps anyway. But there's some intriguing young talent behind him for sure. And then in terms of the safeties, um, I I haven't seen Jackson Turner. Is he okay? What's his story? He's supposed to be back this week. He was out. He got hurt against Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, he missed the Colorado game. Apparently, Arizona didn't need him. You know, surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to be back for Oregon. Yeah. Um, and then I've been seeing, you know, the nickel, who's like a pretty, you know, essential dude in this uh, structure, has been Gunnar Maldonado, the transfer um, from Northwestern. Uh, how would you evaluate Maldonado's play? He's been fine. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know he, he's not a great player. He was he was solid for them last season in a little bit of a different role. But, you know, it's one of those situations, too, again, where it's like, is he the best they have? You know, does that mean he's someone who's like an impact player? No, but he knows where to be. He doesn't actually have the athletic ability or the size that you'd like, but he's in the right place pretty much all the time. So he's a type of player you can count on to do his job the best he can. But he's not necessarily an impact player, a game-changing type of talent. Like Jackson Turner has created some turnovers. He's been a part of that. You know, Christian Young is a game-changing type of player in that back end of that secondary. But 
yeah, Maldonado, he's fine. I guess if probably the best way I could put it. Mm. Um, last question that I've got for you. I, you know, I, like I said, I, I charted all five of Arizona's games, and you know, I run out the stats, you know, for both collectively and then each individual game to see if there's any outliers. And in the rush defense, there's no outliers. The performance is the same every single game. Yeah, um, not or, great. Or, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but sort of more importantly, like it doesn't matter who they're playing. And they played some, uh, you know, quite a variety of different types of run games, right? Like North Dakota State is, you know, I formation practically every play. And the but then they also played Mississippi state the week before, which is an air raid team when they only run the ball, you know, when, when the quarterback checks into it, you know, and Colorado's got a something that they call a running game, you know, it's like, it's all been very different. And yet the game to game stats, you know, wind up looking, you know, in terms of success rate, obviously the total amount of yardage is going to vary, but just like, you know, on a rate basis in a yards per play basis and an explosive rate, you know, basis is sort of, you know, very similar on the other hand in past defense, it's, uh, you know, there's pretty wild differences. Um, they're the middle three games, we, you know, against Mississippi State and North Dakota State and Cal. Um, they uh, the, the the pass defense is grading out at about a 43 percent effectiveness, which is not great. Um, and like allowing 17 percent uh, of plays to getting 15 plus yards, which, again, is not great. On the other hand, in weeks one and weeks five uh, against um, San Diego State and against Colorado, they have like a championship caliber pass defense. It's like it's 63 percent. So I'm not joking about this. It's a 20 percentage point swing in effectiveness, you know, and over the median line, which is like, wow, that like I very rarely see that. I, my theory that I want to bounce off of you is I don't really think that um, Arizona went from being a phenomenal pass defense to a middling one and then got phenomenal again, but rather I think they just played two bad quarterbacks. They played Braxton Burmeister um, at San Diego State, who Oregon fans will be familiar with, um, maybe not uh, happily, Um, Mm -hmm. and then they played, you know, the true freshman Owen McCown um, against Colorado, and I just think that those quarterbacks were throwing bad passes, and it's not that, that um, Arizona's past defense, you know, actually oscillated wildly, you know, uh, between games. What do you agree with that theory or disagree with that theory, Adam? Yeah, I mean, first off, though, I think I think both of our fan bases here can have an issue with Braxton Burmeister. Right? Like, I don't think Arizona fans are going to feel any pity for <laughs> Oregon after the way his recruitment went, you know, committing and decommitting twice That's from Arizona. Right. But, yeah. but yeah, on the I, other hand, you might have dodged a bullet. Like Oregon <laughs> made, uh, you know, done, a, done you a solid. That, that, that's true. That's true. So, but anyway, I, it's hard to argue with that assessment, right? Because Arizona, when they played Cal, is it a great passing offense? And they made Jack Plummer look pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, they made that entire offense look really good. And Cal does not have a great offense. North Dakota State no, doesn't like don't. to throw the ball, but they didn't really struggle to do so when they tried to. And of course, Mississippi State was Mississippi State. But sure. yeah, if you're, if you're looking at them and saying, well, they were great against San Diego State and Colorado and not the other teams, like, why is that? Well, we all know why. Yeah, and that's not to say I sort of felt it was an yeah. obvious conclusion. But if you knew something about like an no. injury history or something like that that I wanted, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell me about it. But it's nothing like that. And it's but it's kind of goes back to what we we're talking about. Like it's the pass rush issue, right? Because Arizona mm-hmm. has decent cornerbacks, they have decent safeties. Like their secondary is probably average. You know, Christian Ron Wallace is a shutdown type of cornerback. He's a Sunday type of player. You know, Jackson Turner has been good. Christian Young has been good. Trade and Stukes, Rutherford have been fine, especially for like number two, number three cornerbacks. But you're not getting a pass rush. It's going to be hard to stop anybody. Yeah. So, you know, when Arizona has to blitz to manufacture a pass rush, when they blitz and they don't get home, then it creates those issues. So, you know, it's a defense that has a few decent players, a few good players, but way too many holes. And defense, more than anything, like if there's a hole, an offense will, a good offense will find it. And there's enough holes in that defense where the good offenses, whether they wanted to run the ball or pass the ball, have been able to find enough holes to move the ball down the field and score. Once again, this is Adam Green, the Adam Green on Twitter of Wildcat Radio of Desert Swarm, which is that great SB Nation Arizona Wildcat site. Uh, Adam Green, I'd love to have you on so much, but at the same time, Every single time Hithliday said, Adam, I got a question for you about the uh, Arizona offensive line. There was a second of fear that shot up my spine. Then I was all like, I, wait, what? Hold on. Is, is Hithliday throwing this question to me? Because I kept thinking he was talking to me. <laughs> I so, see how that be a problem. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, uh, I'm about to throw that. No. Uh, I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, really fun to talk about this. And I don't know. Again, from an outside perspective, it seems like Jedfish has this thing go in the right direction, and I don't like it. <laughs> it's, I mean, but, 
you guys won't be in the Pac-12 much longer anyway, probably, right? So what's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the worry here. <laughs> that's I mean, true. I'm genuinely rooting for Arizona and yeah, game, except for this weekend. I mean, like, I mean, first of all, you know, they've got a real, like, you know, tough schedule coming up. You know, I, I think it's like, you know, Oregon and then four more ranked teams and then Washington State, which like, you know, probably should be ranked, frankly, right now. But mm-hmm. like, you know. Who am I going to root for in Arizona versus Washington? That one's an easy one. Who am I going to root for in Arizona versus USC? That's not tough. Who's who am I going to root for yeah. in Arizona versus Utah? Well, after last year, you know, like the, the way the, the schedule lines up too, it's like it'll get to the point where if we're still winning, then every week will be please God Arizona knock off one of these yeah, you know right. ranked Pac-12 opponents. Like, yeah. I, I've always liked them. I've always liked these Wildcats. They're not hateable yet. I think if Arizona gets to a yeah. final, like Jed Fish, there was a moment he was caught on the camera after the North Dakota State game yelling some obscenities. I guess Timber's like, what was that all about? What's going on here? What's he <laughs> mad about? Like Arizona, I guess, could enter that territory, but they don't like Jed Fish. seems like a pretty likable coach. The team itself mm-hmm. is pretty likable. Their style of play, especially this year offensively, is aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't have that. Everyone's going to hate you just because you're you vibe at least not yet yeah and and then like uh with basketball i mean you got like tommy lloyd now i mean everything's i who is this arizona oh where's my sean miller at <laughs> a kinder friendlier arizona uh, yeah. not, not in right. prison somehow like yeah yeah <laughs> uh anyways uh, so nice to have you on again once again um we're hey we're gonna have you on sometime in the future as well <laughs> no i appreciate it. and just just for the record i gotta get this out there like my biggest complaint with Oregon is that they don't acknowledge their mascot as Puddles. Like mm. that's his name. He's my favorite mascot as long as he's Puddles. As long I'm, as he's Puddles. I'm with you. I, I, I refer to the duck as Puddles. Yeah, uh, I puddles think it's, yeah. To be angry about it, I think it's pretty ridiculous. It's like, can a mascot <laughs> not have a nickname at least if he's not the known as the Puddles or whatever? No, I mean, just, we all know puddles. the stupid history. It's I gotta say, like, as, for running the site where I gotta pick like a lead art photo, you know, you know, for for a variety of articles that don't immediately lend themselves to it, it's just like having a really like adorable mascot that likes mm-hmm. to put on funny costumes is such a godsend. It's like, you know, I can just look up the duck. And, oh, look, he's wearing he he's a duck who's wearing a silver duck around his neck okay that that'll be the yeah. art as it'll long as it's like... not robo duck i think we can all agree oh that. yeah oh yeah i i think he's in still in the woods of eugene or something right <laughs> all right y'all uh well let's hope for a good game uh go wildcats and go ducks <laughs>